0: Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influencers Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influencers.church. And now for our message.
1: Uh, you know, I was talking to someone one day and they said to me, you know, I really would love to give my life to God. He says, but I'm scared that if I give my life to Christ, that when I die, I'll wake up and be in church. And you know, around the world, when you talk to people, they have this idea that I don't mind Jesus, but I have a problem with the church. You know, I love God, but it's the church that's the problem. And there's this almost prevailing theology that's crept into church in so many places that it's possible to love God and not love the church. And today we kick off a series about the church And I want to show you as we go through Scripture, point after point, why you can't love God and not love the church. And why loving the church tells me about how much you love God. The two are inextricably linked forever in our experience. You know, someone once put out on Facebook and I responded and got a lot of uh, feedback and that was they said, you know, you can be a Christian and not go to church. And I I responded, yeah, just like you can be underwater, submerged 100 feet underwater, and be alive. That's true for about four minutes, and then you die when all your air's gone. And the same's true about the church. The church has been maligned. The church has been criticized, and the church has not been honored in the way that it should be. And I want to talk to you about why we should honour the church. Did you know the church was only born the day Jesus rose from the dead? We're going to talk more about that, but that is very, very significant. But let's talk about why you and I should love the church. You know, if you don't love the church, you're like the person that's living with somebody but doesn't love them. That marriage is not really working if all it is that you are flatmates and that romance, that love, that passion is not there. You know, if you don't love the church, then you don't love yourself because you're part of the church. Here's why we should love the church. Number one, because the church is Jesus' wife. It's called the bride of Christ. The church is known as the bride of Christ. You know, you imagine if one of you, you know, Pastor Josh decided to invite me over for dinner and and we got on the phone, we were chatting about dates and, and I said, oh, I can't wait. It's going to be exciting to come over to your house and And I know uh, Pastor Jane is looking forward to it it as well. And suddenly the phone goes silent. There's quietness on the other end of the phone. There's just a few moments. And then suddenly Pastor Josh says, well, I I, I don't know how to say this, but, you know, Shana and I really love you. We just think you're amazing. And of course, uh, that makes it obvious, right? He says, we really love you, but, We just can't stand Pastor Jane. The moment he uttered those words, what do you think would happen? Click, buy. You see, you can't invite me for dinner and not invite my wife. You can't love me and not love her because we are one. And if you don't like my wife, you really don't like me. That's how God feels about the church. We say we love him and yet we don't love his bride. That's why we need to love the church, because the church is the bride of Christ. Can you imagine a a bride walking down the aisle to get married to her sweetheart? The maid of honor, you know, is with her. And imagine if the maid of honor, instead of tending her dress carefully and making sure there's no ruffles uh, in her dress or in her veil, instead was tripping her over or bumping into her or just treating her badly. It would be a bad, bad day. And our job as followers of Jesus is to be like the bridesmaid that carefully tends the bride. We need to make her look beautiful. It's our job to present the bride to God, to Jesus, pure and beautiful and amazing. And that's why we need to love the church because the only way you can make something good is if you love it, if you're passionate about it. It's so cool. Wait till we get even further into this message. Now, another reason why we need to love the church is because the church is the body of Christ. The body of Christ. You know, they're inseparable. If you speak badly about my body, you're disrespecting me. And so uh, you can say, Ashley, you know, you've got a great, you got a very handsome face, but boy, your body really is not that flesh. Well, at that point, you're disrespecting me. You might be telling the truth in the moment, but it's disrespectful, it's dishonouring. And so many people disrespect God when they speak badly about His body, the body of Christ, you and I. Now, what's really interesting as I've been doing my research is this, is that the body of Christ means the embodiment of Christ. And I want you to get this. The church is the embodiment of Christ. So when Jesus said goodbye to His disciples and ascended to heaven, the only thing left that would show off Jesus would be his body. So we're the embodiment of Christ. In other words, together, Jesus is represented through us. People in the world will never find Jesus unless they see Jesus in the church. The church is the embodiment of Christ. If they don't see it and we don't love the church, nobody's going to find God because the embodiment of Jesus is in the church where the body of Christ. You know, people can't find Jesus unless they find his body. You know, if you've ever watched any of those missing persons uh, shows on television, you know, they don't call it a missing body show. They don't refer to the missing body of so and so. They refer to it as a missing person. Why is that? Even though the person is dead, and there is only a body, they refer to the body as a person. They personalize the body. Parents can lose their children in some abduction and and, and not, not find them for 20 years, and there is no closure until they find the body of their child. Why? Because we see the embodiment of a person in the body. And the same goes with the church. We are the embodiment of Jesus Christ. And if we don't love the body, how can the people find Jesus? That's why this series is so important. We've got to love the body of Christ. It may not be perfect. It may not be yet there. And it's certainly not yet there because you and I are there, but God is doing something great in all of us. And so today, if you're watching from our South Campus, from Salisbury, from Clare Valley, from Paradise, from City of Mount Barker, we need to love the church because it's the embodiment of the supernatural power of God incarnate in Jesus Christ. You know, because the church is Jesus' body, they're inseparable. And so we need to understand the two go together. You know, when you don't love the church, in effect, what we're doing is we're scorning the sacrifice of Jesus. I want to read to you Ephesians 5 verse 25. It says this, Jesus loved the church, not just love me, loved the church so much that He gave Himself up for her. Who? The church. To make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the Word to present her to Himself as a radiant church, holy and blameless. God's purpose and plan is to create this beautiful bride. And He's asking you and I to be the bridesmaids that tend the bride, love the bride, and help present the bride as the most beautiful thing in the world. You know, Jesus loved the church so much that he gave himself. Often we're confused and we think, well, Jesus gave himself for us individually, and that's true. The truth is, Jesus gave himself for the church. I'm going to tell you what the difference is between an individual believer and the church in just a few minutes, but he gave himself for the church. Now, another reason why we need to love the church is because when you don't understand the reason for church, you are ignorant. Of why Jesus created it. And you nullify God's intent. Now, just I want you to understand something. Jesus ascends to heaven after 40 days with the disciples post resurrection. You know, the disciples weren't sad and lonely and formed this uh, lonely hearts club. And then suddenly that grew from 12, uh, from 11, then to 12, and then to 120. And suddenly, wow, let's all keep meeting together on Sundays and let's call it the church. We often don't read our Bible and we don't understand that this wasn't just an evolution of lonely men that were missing Jesus that turned into a group and then an organization called the church, but that on the day Jesus rose from the dead, the church was born. The very moment he stepped out of the tomb, the very moment he became alive again, the church was born, and it was for that purpose that Jesus came to our planet to die. And I'm going to explain something to you that's going to blow your mind, because when I read this, and when I understood it at another level, it just blew my mind. And I want you to understand uh, what happened and how God, when you read Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3, it talks about this mystery, this secret that God had in His mind from all eternity. He says the purpose of the church was to confound the principalities and powers and show the, the miraculous wisdom of God to the heavenly bodies. What's he saying when Paul is writing to these Gentile Christians, these non-Jewish Christians, is simply this. Everybody thought, because when you read the Old Testament, everything's about the Jews and God. Everybody thought that God's only plan was for the Jews. They thought that was it. That's why there's no church in the Old Testament, right? And so you hear about God and the Jews in the Old Testament, but when you come to the New Testament, you hear about Jesus and the church. Why is that? Well, found in Ephesians, is the secret where he says, listen, this idea was in God's mind from all eternity past. This secret idea that confounded the principalities and powers that were there to display the wonders and the wisdom of God was when the church was created and all of heaven gasped when they saw that the grace of God, the power of God, the presence of God, the love of God was not just for the Jews, not just for the chosen race, but suddenly they saw this mechanism called the church be created as God used the church and its creation to get the grace of God that was once only to a certain group, to everybody on the entire planet. If it wasn't for the birth of the church, we would have never found out about God's grace towards us. If it wasn't for the church, we would never have experienced the love of God. If it wasn't for the church, we would never have discovered salvation because it would have been confined to a select group of people. But God says, I'm gonna create another mechanism that's gonna spread my grace to the non-Jewish world. And today we sit in church enjoying what God's doing because Jesus died so that this mechanism could be created. This is so incredible to me. You know, one of the things I love here in America is Amazon. Now, Amazon in Australia is not that flash, but in America, it's amazing. You can have Christmas every single day of the year, and you can get every good from anywhere, and it's just incredible. But here's the thing. I can go on the line. I can find the thing that I love. I can order it. The picture looks wonderful. I can do a 360-degree turnaround of that image. I can read all the specs, and then I can order it. And at that moment, it's wonderful. I've got this beautiful idea. But until they pack my goods in a truck and send that truck around to my neighborhood, all that's online is not mine until the truck arrives at my door and delivers the package. Here's the thing. If we look to the heavens and we look to God, all of the greatness of God, all of the majesty of God, all of the richness of God, all of the beauty of God, all of the gifts of God, we can want them. But what's the mechanism that brings it to our house, that makes it accessible to us? What delivers it to our lives and gives it to us as a gift? It's the church. The church is like the Amazon truck. It delivers the grace of God to our lives. The church is central to the delivery system of God's grace, healing, power, joy, and peace to your life. And without the church... It's just wishful thinking to get the grace of God. I want you to get this because Jesus died. So these trucks, this mechanism, this delivery system could be created and that your your life and my life, which was excluded from the grace of God under the old covenant, could be experiencing the grace and the power of God under the new covenant. The church is the delivery of the new covenant to the non-Jewish person. And right there, everybody, you should stand and clap the Lord Jesus for coming and dying and laying down His life and sacrificing everything to create the mechanism that gives us so much access to God, His power, His purpose, and His peace. Oh my goodness, we could just stop right there. But there's more. I want to tell you about a story in Ephesians 5 that is often kind of misrepresented, out of context. It's a good analogy, but we've taken the analogy and used the analogy without understanding the analogy. And The metaphor is something different. We use this metaphor in marriage seminars. So let me read to you Ephesians 5. It says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. I want you to notice all these words. His body of which he is the savior. Oh, this is incredible. We can just stop right there. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. Great verse. Hey, men, you love that verse. Then it goes on, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to sanctify her, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a glorious church without stain or wrinkle or any such blemish but holy and blameless. That's the part the women love and that's the part in the marriage seminars we, we talk about. Wives submit, husbands love as Christ loved the church and it goes on. In the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. This is all true but it's a metaphor about a greater theological point. And I want us to not miss the theology in the illustration. So let's read on. He who loves his wife loves himself. Indeed, no one ever hated his own body, but he nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, for we are members of His body. Now here's the kicker verse. You ready? For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Now let's read verse 32 together. You ready? Whether you're in Mount Barker or in the city, Paradise, South Salisbury, or Clare Valley, let's read this out loud together. This mystery is profound, but I am speaking, says Paul, about Christ and the church. Right there in the last line of the document after using the metaphor of a husband and a wife, he says, I'm not really talking about a husband and a wife. I'm talking about Christ and and His church. That's when we understand submission and love in a greater context. It's why it's been a, a passage of Scripture that's been uh, challenged and fought over for a long, long time. Because we use the illustration as the theology rather than understanding the illustration points to the theology. And the theology is this, Christ is and the church, that we are meant to submit to Christ. And Jesus has already shown us that He loves us so much that He died for us. And then Paul puts in a footnote. I love this. Nevertheless, each one of you should also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must also respect her husband. It's kind of like this big story with this massive concluding statement followed by the footnote, which is, by the way, apply it to marriage too, and love your wife and respect your husband. So it does have an application. But when Paul wrote this to non-Jewish Christians in Ephesus, he was wanting them to understand the relationship between Jesus and the church. And God is asking you and I to love the church as much as Jesus does. Jesus loved the church. Just like the husband's meant to love his wife, Jesus loved the church. And he's saying, I want you to love the church like Jesus loves the church. Accept all of her. Understand who she is. Accept her as she is, knowing that God's doing a work of sanctification, an old word for transformation and growth. God is doing that. You know, when I married Pastor Jane, I accepted all of her. It was for better, for worse, for richer or poorer. I accepted everything about her. I'm an all or nothing person, which is how we should be in our marriages all or nothing, and preferably all. And I accepted all of her. But I remember uh, during the first couple of years of being married, she would always point out her defects to me. She'd always (coughs) talk about her varicose veins, or she'd talk about other things that she didn't like. You know, if she had a bad hair day or she had a fat day, she would point all those things out to me. Now, I had never even noticed. Why is that? Because I accepted all of her. When I married her, I accepted her varicose veins. I accepted whatever shape she was in. I accepted every hairstyle she would ever have. I accepted her. I remember saying to her one, one day, I said, listen, listen Jane I said here's the deal I just want you to stop pointing out the defects would you please do that and she just couldn't stop it and then one day I said listen if I don't accept all of you I will reject all of you please do not point out the things that are not perfect because I'm only looking at the overall thing and you are beautiful lovely and the love of my life you see, when we look at all the little varicose veins in the church, we can find ourselves not loving the church. But when you accept it as the bride of Christ, as the, the mechanism of grace that Jesus died to create, that Jesus shed His blood to create the church so that non-Jewish people could get the grace and the infinite wisdom and power of God and love her, you'll overlook the little blemishes. You'll overlook the bad hair day. You'll overlook whether the church is too fat or too skinny. You'll overlook all these superficial things because you'll love the church because Jesus loves the church. Oh my goodness, right there's a good opportunity for a great amen. I want you to understand this. The church is the hope for the world. The church is the answer to the dilemmas in our world. In this community of faith, hope, and love, there's healing, transformation, and power. The church is the place that displays God's authority over sickness, over poverty, over pain, over discouragement, and over every trouble. You know, Ephesians 1, 22 and 23 says, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made Him head over all things, not just some things, all things for who? For the benefit of Christ. The church, and the verse 23 says, and the church is His body. Jesus has authority over all things, for who? Not individuals, but for the church. He has authority over all things for the church, the benefit of the church. Paul writes to Timothy and tells him that the church is the household of God. He says, I'm writing you these instructions in verse 15 of chapter 3, that if I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church. God's house is the church. The church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. God's family is the church. It's His wife. If you want to see Jesus, you'll see Him in the church. If you want to feel God's love, you will feel it most in the church. What does the church do for you and I? The church lifts you, the church grows you, the church protects you, the church encourages you, the church celebrates you, the church empowers you, the church frees you, the church challenges you, the church opens your mind to new possibilities for you. The church brings faith to you. It brings God's word to you. It creates a community of love for you. It rescues you. It shields you. It blesses you. It comforts you. It enables you. It corrects wrong thinking in you. It changes you. It teaches you a new way to live. It creates a legacy for your kids in you. It provides a haven for your family in you. The church releases the gifts inside of you. It guides you. It gives life to you. It releases the destiny in you. It lifts you. It matures you. It gives opportunity to you. It loves you. It cares for you. It enriches you. The church changes attitudes in you. The church releases you. The church shows the meaning of life to you. It heals you. The church prays for you. It works for you. The church is critical to spiritual health and life in you. The church is you and you and you and you and every campus that are watching today. The church is us together, collectively together. We are the church. You know, today, God wants to do something profound as we begin this series. He wants us to understand what what He wants from us in response to His love and the response of His creation of the church. If you love God, you will love His church. If you love Jesus, you will passionately try to build His church. You see, we are all believers individually. And in our individualistic society, we've, we've kind of got into a bit of error. We think it's all about God and us individually. We've forgotten about God and us corporately. Us individually is not the church. Often we say, you're the church, you're the church, you're the church. The truth is this, only when we're assembled together are we the church. When we're gathered together, we're the church. When we're by ourselves, we're a believer, a follower of Christ. When we're gathered, we are the church. The church is the collection of the saints gathered together in corporate worship and prayer and the Word. You see, when the church gathers, when the individual believers gather, we become the church. The church is not you, the church is us. The church is not you, the church is us. Today, if you're watching from paradise, the church is not you, it's us. If you're in Mount Barker, the church is not you, it's us gathered. And it's not us in our homes, it's us gathered. We become the church in power when we're gathered. And that's why Hebrews 10.25 says, Don't forsake the gathering together of yourselves, as is the manner of some, but draw even closer and more consistently as the day of the Lord Jesus gets near The church is not you. The church is us. The power of the church happens when we gather together. You know, our vision at Influences Church hasn't changed. It's 200 campuses planted around the world in every continent in every nation that we can get to. As God brings in people into our church, they've got a hunger and a heart for a nation. We want to plant churches there. That's why we're planting churches in Indonesia, in Colombia, and in Malaysia, and in other places around the world, just to name a few in the next year or so. Why is it? The reason we plant churches is for this reason. When God wanted to get His love to all of mankind, He created families. And the seven billion people on the earth, even though the devil's try to destroy the family, the family unit is God's delivery system of love. When we get born again, the church is God's delivery system of love and of grace, peace, and purpose. And so He wants us to love the church and understand the church and what it is and who it is and us together. You see, I didn't start to love the church when I became a pastor. A lot of people have a misconception about pastors. Well, they, 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 of course they've got to love the church. They're the pastor. No, no. I was in the congregation just like you and I loved the church so much and God spoke to me and said, do you love me? And I said, yes. And he gave me a commission then to lead the church. And so I'm like the guy that, that, that bought the company because I loved the product so much, not the other way around. I didn't have a company and, and say, well, because I'm trying to sell things, I'll love it and tell people I love it. No, I loved it so much, I became a leader in it That's how much I love the church. And God so loved the world that He sent Jesus. So each of us individually would find salvation, but collectively the church, which is the embodiment of Jesus, who is not physically here, so that people could see Jesus when they came to church. That's God's plan. You know, sometimes we stop halfway. We're like the Good Samaritan. We tell people about God. We help people on the on the, on the the roadway of life, but we need to bring them into the inn, which is where they will be healed. It's the inn, which is short for influences, by the way. The inn is the place where people get healed. You know, when our boys were teenagers, they didn't really understand the house that we had provided for them. They really treated it quite shabbily, left their rooms in a complete wreck. And I would tell Pastor Jane, just shut the door and ignore it. As teenagers, there are bigger issues to deal with. But they didn't understand what they were living in. They were living in ignorance. They had grown up in it. They had uh, come to expect things in it. They kind of uh, uh, could look at things and criticize it. But they didn't realize that the very thing that they were in, that they were messing up or criticizing, was actually their inheritance. When Pastor Jane and I go to heaven... that house is going to be theirs. The very thing they were trashing, they didn't do too bad, but you understand the point. The very thing they were trashing was going to be their inheritance. Why would you trash something that's your inheritance? Only because of ignorance. That's why we're doing this series on the church. Because if we can understand the mystery of God and why He created the church. And it wasn't 11 lonely men who were sad that their friend had left, that got together in these support groups and then evolved into this organization called the church. But if you would understand that Jesus created the church, it was God's idea in His mind from before creation to get the grace of God to the Gentiles. And if we could get out of our ignorance and start to love the church, The church would go from being a sleeping giant to being the most powerful force on the planet. The reason why the church isn't as powerful or as influential as it should be is because the enemy has allowed us to separate Jesus and the church tell us, well, you can love Jesus, just don't love the church, when in fact the only way people can see Jesus is through the church. When we lose our ignorance, when the scales fall from our eyes, and we become uh, proponents and, and passionate uh, advocates for the church, we'll start seeing the power of God released in the church in the way that God wants it released. I want to tell you today, God, is something very powerful for you. The church is your inheritance. The church is not something you would attend the church is your inheritance it's the delivery system of God's inheritance to your life and if you'll love it and you'll cherish it just like we do in marriage then we get the benefit out of it you see if I treat pastor Jane as a commodity something to be taken or not taken something to just be put up with then my marriage will lose its passion its virility its life its power But if I can keep the romance and the love of her alive and high, then right through our lives, she will enrich me. She will give to me. She will change my life. She'll impact me. She'll help me be a better person. That's what happens when you love the church. Because When you love the church, she starts to bless you, help you, push you forward, and help you become everything God's called you to be. I pray
0: this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you, and inspired you. You know, we may never have met. I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed his love. So he sent his son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, he said, I will take their place. So he died and rose again so that his death could pay the penalty I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace and the word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey, why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you, and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.